And I have something I want to share with you today. I want to talk to you today about five things that every gifted person needs. Five things every gifted person needs. And I think you're going to leave this place challenged and encouraged. And I think our mindsets are going to change a little bit today. And again, we want to welcome any of our family that are watching online. Can we make some noise again for our family watching online? Glad you're with us. Acts chapter 16, I'm going to start in verse 6. This is right after Paul has picked up his companion, Timothy. He's invited Timothy to come and be in the ministry with him, and they're traveling together. And The Bible says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father, we thank you for your word. And we believe that you're going to speak to us. Help us to have the ears to hear what you're saying. Spirit of God, have your way. Do what only you can do in these next few minutes we have together. You are faithful and you are good. And we are thankful for your presence. And if the presence of the Lord is here, that means there is fullness of joy. Come on. That means that anything is possible. That means that no matter what's binding my life today can be broken in the name by the power of Jesus. And we thank you for that. Amen and amen. Amen. Acts chapter 16, what an amazing story. In this story is where you find Paul and Silas, they're in prison and around midnight they pray and the chains fall off and the jailer gets saved. And I might talk to you about that tonight. So I want to encourage you to come back to the six tonight. We might finish up this thought tonight. But today I want to talk to you about five things that every gifted person needs because here's Here's the issue with us is that there comes a point in our walk with God where it's not always going to be the obstacles and it's not always going to be the sin in our life that are going to be the things that keep us from the purpose of God. Very often, it's going to be the opportunities that we have. Uh, Because if we're following God for any period of time and our life is changing and we're being transformed and we're being sanctified then God opportunities and good opportunities are going to come into our life by virtue of the fact that we're following Jesus. There's so many wonderful things that happen to us as we follow Jesus. And opportunities are one of them, but not every opportunity is a God opportunity for us. And even though it's good, doesn't always mean it's God. Can somebody say amen? Someone said this. They said, passion is what you love to do. Talent is what you can do, but purpose is what you are supposed to do. And it takes someone who is full of the spirit of God to submit your passion and your talent to the purpose of God. And as I read this story, I'm, I, I get a little concerned, but as I read further, I start to understand what is happening in this story. At the beginning, the Bible says that Paul actually wants to go into Asia and preach the gospel. And on another uh, opportunity he has, he wants to go into another city in Bithynia. But 
The Spirit of Jesus, the Bible says, which is the Holy Spirit, says no. And so twice Paul has tried to go into different regions to preach the gospel, and the Spirit of God has said no, not here. This is an interesting thing because I think if we're not careful, we can assume that, that no is just God not trusting us or us not being ready or, or God having, you know, to kind of work something else in us. Or maybe we even think that maybe God doesn't want to do anything in those cities. But that's not true. As we read the Bible, we understand that the gospel, God wants the gospel preached everywhere. I mean, he tells us to go into every nation, that, that when we get to heaven, it's going to be full of every tribe, every tongue, every people group that have ever been represented on this planet. So we know that the gospel that we preach, God wants that in every arena. So why in the world would the Holy Spirit say, no, don't go preach there? Don't go preach there. It's not that God didn't want the gospel preached there. It's that God didn't want Paul to preach there. And I think if we're not careful, we will assume that every opportunity that opens up and every door that opens up to us because of our gift is one that we're supposed to advance into. Oh, man. And I think God is also trying to teach us that every opportunity is not my responsibility. As a matter of fact, every need is not my responsibility. And just because I can doesn't mean I always should. This is really, this is really quiet in this Pentecostal church right now, because I think I think we've misunderstood this desire that God has for us to to love everyone and to care for everyone and to 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 make sure that we're doing the best we can to reach as many people as we possibly can. I think sometimes we can also also assume that because of that, every need I see is my responsibility, but you are not designed to meet every need that you see. You are a limited resource. You have a limited amount of time and a limited amount of energy, and God wants you to use your time and energy the way he designed you to use it. Somebody's going to Asia, just not you, Paul. (laughs) Oh, man, why is this? Because your calling is not just about what you're supposed to do, but where you are supposed to do it. Where you're supposed to do it. And the more gifted you are, the more difficult clarity becomes. Any gifted people in the room today? Anybody just confident? Just throw your hand up and say, I'm gifted. Man, we we need to deal with that because... You believe you are designed by God? Okay, well, if you were designed by God, then he inherently put in you gifts and talent and ability to perform the way he wants you to perform, to do what he's called you to do. You are gifted. Oh, man. If I know anything, it's that I'm gifted. If I know anything, it's that God created me with a purpose for a purpose and he put in me everything that I need. I'm not looking for something to come to me. Everything that I need, I already have on the inside of me. Peter said, you have everything that you need that pertains unto life and godliness. As a matter of fact, when God was getting ready to meet a need in Adam's life, he didn't bring a woman from outside. He brought a woman from the inside as if to tell you that everything you need is already in you. So I came to tell you, man, you're gifted, but your gift can be your biggest issue because gifted people can also have some 
some messed up theology, some bad ideas, some assumptions that just aren't accurate, some mentalities about life that may be true in the culture, but not true in kingdom culture. The kingdom is so often contrary to the world, and sometimes we miss the kingdom because we're operating under the same rules and parameters of the culture that we live in, not realizing that the kingdom of God is very often opposed to the culture that we live in. (laughs) You know, the culture tells us, you know, in order to get to the top, you have to climb the ladder, and sometimes you have to push some people off of the ladder. But Jesus says, listen, if you want to be first, you don't push anybody to the side. As a matter of fact, you let everybody go past you and you make your way to the back and you submit to the will and to the plan of God. And man, the kingdom is contrary to the world. So let me give you let me give you these five things that every gifted person needs. First of all, I believe you need a relationship with God that exceeds your passions and your talent. If you don't have this, you will be driven to walk through every open door. Remember, Paul, we wanted to go to Asia. We wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit would not let us. The Spirit of Jesus stopped us dead in our tracks. Why is this important? In the same way it was important in the New Testament when the Bible says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Whatever you are full of, you will be led by. And if you are more full of passion than you are love for God, if you're more full of passion for business or for promotion or for money than you are your love for God, then you will be driven by those passions. If you are driven and you are, and you are led by your own talent and your own gift, then you will find yourself walking through doors that were never meant for you to walk through. But you need a relationship with God that stops you in your tracks and says, yes, I have the passion to do that. And yeah, I've even got the ability to do that. But the Holy Spirit said no. And I wonder if there's anybody in the room today grateful for the Holy Spirit who's bold enough to tell you no when you need to hear no, because nobody in this room likes to be told no. I'm 43 years old. I don't like to be told no, especially now. I feel like I've kind of gotten to this point where other people shouldn't tell me no. Like I'm grown, right? I was at a restaurant the other day and I was walking up to the door and I went to grab the door and I saw these people just hanging around the front. I thought they were talking So when I reach for the door, the person that I thought was talking, they reach in front of me, they go, no, it's not open yet. And we were here first. (laughs) And like a Ric Flair spirit just like started to well up on the inside of me. You know what I'm saying? Like I've watched too much WWE for you to mess with me this early in the morning. I don't play games like that, but I did the pastor thing, right? I'd say, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like cussing on the inside. That's the pastor thing. (laughs) But I need a relationship with God that surpasses and exceeds my passion and my talent because I don't want to be led by my passion unless that passion is Jesus. I don't want to be led by my talent because my talent could open doors that God hasn't opened up for me. I want to be led by the spirit. Listen, if you are led by self, you will be you you will be taken into some places that seem so great. Man, they were so destructive to your purpose. If you are led by greed, money will drive every single decision you make. 
But if you are led by the spirit of God, you can be in the middle of a wilderness just like you guys are in Vegas. And you can know that you are in the direct path of the plan of God for your life. And that's what I want. I want the plan of God for my life. And one of my mentors has been saying this a lot recently. He said, he says, Robbie, I don't, I don't want to just make a difference. He says, I want to make my difference. That's massive. Because I don't want to just get to the end of my life and have made a difference. Man, I want to make my difference. I want to, I want to do the thing I was uniquely designed to do. I don't want to do the thing that everybody else tells me I should do. I don't want to do the thing that just my natural ability says I should do. I want to do the thing that God has empowered me to do. I want to be, I want to be like David when, when Goliath is, is running his mouth at the people of God. I want to be like David and I want to go to the king and say, listen, I'm uniquely qualified to deal with this giant. And I'm not only uniquely qualified, I'm uniquely irritated because it seems like nobody else around me wants to do anything about this. And the thing very often that God calls you to do is the thing that irritates you. It's the thing that drives you crazy. It's the thing that everybody else can walk away from and ignore but you cannot ignore it. And I'm telling you, if you will lean into that today, if you will press into that thing, that thing that doesn't, it, you can't escape it. You can't bury your head in the sand and get away from it. You can't go on a vacation and forget about it. It's, it's in you and it stirs you like Nehemiah when he heard that the people of God were living in a community with the walls down and something on the inside of you says the people of God need walls. The people of God need boundaries. I wonder if there's anybody today thankful for the call of God that is not just something that comes and goes. It's something that sticks with me and won't leave me. It's like a fire set up in my, my bones. Matthew 26 and 53. The reason I need a relationship with God that exceeds my passion and talent is because listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 26 and 53. He says, as Pilate thinks he's in control of the situation and whether or not he lives or dies, Jesus says, hey, uh, do you not think that I could call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? I can do whatever I want right now. He says this, though, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Oh, man, there are just some things about your life that in order for you to maximize this opportunity that you've been given by God to live this life, that must be done this way in order to fulfill the scripture. Jesus is like, I can do whatever I want, but I choose to do what he wants. I could hover over this whole situation and zap y'all with laser beams from my eyeballs if I wanted to. I'm the son of God. He didn't say that, but. Isn't that wild? All of that ability. And he was able to control it. And submit it to the will of God. So if I'm going to do that, I don't just need a relationship that exceeds my passion and talents. I need a humility that exceeds my gift. 
the Old Testament, the Bible says that the priest, they would walk around with a bell and a pomegranate attached to the bottom of their garment. And the reason they did this is because it would tamper the sound of the bell. You didn't just want to be a big, loud bell walking around. But you did want the bells to be heard. And so between every bell, there would be the pomegranate, a fruit. And I think what we have in the Christian culture today is a bunch of bells and not enough fruit. We have a lot of gifted people, but not a lot of fruitful people. <laughs> and I have met a lot of gifted people who aren't fruitful, but I've never met a fruitful person who isn't gifted. So I need a humility that exceeds my gift. Think about Paul. Paul, one of the most highly skilled people we see in all of Scripture. The Bible says about Paul that he was a Jewish man, but he was also a Roman citizen, that he was an educated man. Historians believe that Paul spoke between seven and 14 different languages. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was trained by Gamaliel, one of the most esteemed doctors of Jewish law that the world has ever seen. And if anyone was gifted enough to do what he wanted to do and ignore the purpose of God, it was Paul. If anyone could have said, Holy Spirit, I know better, it was Paul. But Paul was, he was submitted enough to understand that none of that stuff really matters if I'm not following the direction of the Holy Spirit. None of that stuff is important if I really don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's why he would write in his writings, he would say this, he would say, listen, I've got an education that nobody can match. I've got a background that nobody can even come close to. I've got it going on. And as far as my past and who I've been, man, I am the man, but I count all of that as nothing just so that I can know Jesus. And I wonder if I'm in a room full of people today who are like, thank God for my education. Thank you for my background and thank you for my experiences. But none of that means anything if I don't know Jesus. Christ, him crucified, and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Can we give God some glory this morning for the son of God, for the relationship that is possible because of Jesus? Oh man, so Paul says, I, I got a lot of history and I got a lot of education, but all of that doesn't matter if I'm not connected to the purpose of Jesus in my life. And it's amazing, isn't it, that Paul might not have been able and allowed to by the Holy Spirit to go preach in Asia. But Paul eventually made it to Asia. Just not the way he thought he was going to make it to Asia. Paul might not have preached there, but Paul got there. Why is this? Because Paul wasn't married to his idea of how God would use him. And there are a lot of people in the room today, you're frustrated with God because you're married to the idea of how you want him to use you. And unless he uses you the way you want him to use you, then you're not interested in him using you. See, Paul didn't even realize that there was this gift on his life, not just to preach the gospel, but to write about the gospel. See, when you get saved, God doesn't change your giftings. He redeems your giftings. In other words, when we see Paul arrested by God and his whole life changed, 
Paul is actually carrying letters that were going to bring people in Christianity, following Jesus into prison, into bondage, into abuse, and into beatings. But when he got saved and he gave his life to the Lord, not only did his name change, but what he was doing changed, not, not in the sense that he was doing something completely different, just the motive behind what he was doing. So now he's, he's not he didn't stop writing letters. He's still writing letters, but now he's writing letters, not that are bringing people into bondage. Now he's writing letters that are setting people free. And those letters that you and I read, not only have you and I read them, but they are all over the world today in places Paul never preached in, but he preached in. And I wonder if there would be some people in here today who would say, God, I don't care how you use me. I just want you to use me. I don't, I'm not married to my idea of how life should have gone. I'm married to you and wherever you want to take me God that's where I want to go and however you want to use me that's how I want to be used I'm so tired of people saying I'm not called to children's ministry I'm not called to the parking lot none of us feel called to the parking lot very rarely do people feel called to children's ministry those those are the people that actually really those are the first in line to go to heaven the people who have a calling to children's ministry. Most people are working in children's ministry just because they're like, I just want to serve. I just want to help. And if I can do anything to help the next generation find Jesus, I'm going to do that. And I might not feel called to do it. But I'm, I just want to serve. I'm not married to my method. I'm not interested in finding a place to use my gift. I'm interested in finding a place where I can just serve God and people. Oh, man. Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but the interests of others. Oh, man. I already don't like this verse. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Wow. Robbie, what's the call of God on my life? What's the purpose of God for me? What, do you, what big thing does God want me to do? He wants you to make yourself nothing. Robbie, I wanted, I wanted to hear you say, I'm called to be a prophet to the nations. <laughs> Robbie, I wanted, you, I wanted you to tell me I'm supposed to start a business and I'm supposed to make millions. And that might happen for you. But it doesn't happen because you chased millions and it doesn't happen because you chased a gift. It happens because you pursued him. It happens because you said, God, I don't care what you do in my life. If all I am is just a red carpet for you to walk on, 
so that you can be the main attraction, so that you are the point of it all, so that the, the glory that comes doesn't come my way. It gets to you. That's all I'm interested in. I'm not in it for the accolades. I'm not in it for the applause. I'm not in it for the pats on the back. I'm not in it for the approval of man. God, I am in this for you and however you want to use me, wherever you want to use me, whenever you want to use me, I belong to you. That's why the New Testament would tell you, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Not, not only does your mind belong to God, but your body belongs to God. Your gifts belong to God. Your hands belong to God. Your feet belong to God. Your, the whole of you belongs to God and you will never find true fulfillment in life in a title, but man, you will find the most fulfillment and fullness you have ever felt being in the plan of God, being in the path of God's purpose even if it doesn't have money attached to it. For years, I did this with no income. I, I, I got married at 19 years old. I was working 12-hour uh, shifts at the hospital. When I first got into ministry, I was a youth pastor for five years before I ever got paid for it. I was, I was, working, I was working 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., and I was going straight to the church, and I was working on my messages and trying to put youth stuff together. And, and, and if anybody were to tell me, oh, man, you, you probably didn't have to work that hard or do it like that, I would tell you, you're out of your mind. Those were some of the best days of my life. I went home, I got in my beat up Honda Civic and the bumper was falling off and I drove to my trailer and I walked into my house and I had just as much fulfillment when I was 25 years old living in a trailer as I have today living in a, not a trailer. I'm not going to give you my address because y'all can look up on Zillow how much my house costs. That's weird. I had so, I, I, just as much going through my couch, trying to dig coins out of my couch just so we could take our kids to Dairy Queen. I, I have just as much fulfillment then as I have now, right in the middle of the will of God and the floor caving in in my trailer. Ugh. So there's got to be a humility or you'll think everything that's the purpose of God has got some sort of number attached to it, some salary connected to it, some advancement, some promotion connected to it. Not realizing that sometimes the spirit of God, like Jesus, takes you straight into the wilderness. So the Bible says Jesus, he made himself nothing, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, what a beautiful name, what a powerful name. Every knee would bow, heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you hear that? The Bible says he made himself nothing and God gave him a name. And I think if we would stop trying to make a name for ourselves and allow God to give us a name, we'd find so much more satisfaction in this crazy life. So I need humility. I also need a vision. A vision comes when my relationship with God exceeds my passion. My passion is what I want. My talent is what I can do. Remember in this story in Acts 16, the Bible says there that Paul was told no twice by the Holy Spirit. And then after he submitted to the Holy Spirit, saying no to him, 
The Bible says he had a vision. He had a vision. And I think so many of us are like, God, why don't you give me a vision? God's like, why would I give you a vision when you won't obey my nose? You, you, it's, you, you won't even obey simple commands. And you want me to give you a vision about a business? About a family? About taking responsibility for a, a, a wife and children? You want a vision for that, but you, you can't say yes to tithe? You can't say yes to being in the house of God? You can't say yes to serving? You can't. And you want a vision? Because why would I give you a vision when I can't even get to you to obey the simple things? I'm not going to put a man in Macedonia pleading for his life in your hands when I can't even trust you with your own wallet. <laughs> I can't even try. I can't even. I can't even trust you to to put in a full day's work. You're looking for to get out of there with the minimum. You, you clock in at seven, you clock out at five, but you hid for four hours. <laughs> I, 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 God's like, I give honest people vision. I give faithful people vision. People who can say yes when I say no. Okay, God, I don't like that, but I hear you. And I trust you. <laughs> My God. I wanted to skip that one and just be like four things every gifted person needs. But I don't want you, listen to me. I say this and I, I don't say this to that, those things to condemn you. I say them to spur you. <laughs> because I don't want you to spend your life going after what you want. And settling for a life that you can provide for yourself. There's no fulfillment in a life that you can do without God. Let me give you the fourth thought. You need provision. The Bible says in verses 11 through 15, they were, they were going one day, they were going to find a place to pray. And they met this woman and her friends. This woman's name was Lydia. She was a, she was a wealthy lady in the community. She would, have, she would become a very important financial contributor to Paul's ministry. But I love this. And this is the way the kingdom is so much different. He didn't go into Macedonia with a business plan. He went into Macedonia looking for a place to pray. I'm not saying you don't need a business plan, but let's not get the business plan ahead of prayer. He wasn't he didn't go to Macedonia looking to connect, looking to build relationships, looking to work his way through the community. No, he went to Macedonia trying to find this man that he had seen in his vision and he was trying to find a place to pray. And as he was trying to find a place to pray, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. As he was trying to find a place to pray, he actually found a place of provision, not just a place, but a person. Listen to me. Your anointing is not just about the thing you are gifted to do. Your anointing is also about the people that are gifted to respond to your voice. 
That's why I can't plant a church in Las Vegas. That's why I can only visit. Because your ears are not anointed to hear me as your pastor. The only reason you're hearing me today is because I'm operating in the proper function as an evangelist or a teacher. But I'm not preaching to you as your shepherd because if I was trying to pastor you, you wouldn't be able to hear me because I'm not anointed to speak to you as your pastor. And you're not anointed to hear me as your pastor. So I'm here as a teacher. So I'm anointed to do that, and you're anointed to hear me in that capacity. My, people will tell me all the time, Rob, you need to leave John City. The city's too small for you. Your gift is too big for John City. I'm like, my gift wouldn't work anywhere else. These are my people. This is who I'm called to. I'm not moving until God tells me to move just because it looks beneficial. And a lot of people might show up doesn't make it successful, doesn't make it effective. There's a place in a people. And how do I know it's God? I don't go looking for it. It comes looking for me. In the the kingdom, remember I told you the kingdom is opposite the world. In in the world, we chase our dreams. In the kingdom, we cooperate with dreams. I don't have to chase anything. Stuff chases me. Provision, Provision chases me. David, in the Old Testament... He's in this place called Ziklag. He's at the lowest point of his life, the furthest away from the prophetic word that he would one day be the king. His family has been taken from him. He finally is able to chase the enemy down and take his family back. But he's in the middle of what would be like a 16-month part of his life that looks like it's the furthest away from the prophetic word that's over his life. And all of a sudden, he's as far away from the crown as he's ever been. And the Bible says that in that moment, when he seems like he's furthest away from the, from the crown, the crown actually finds its way to him. A man that had seen Saul fall in battle actually takes the crown and brings it to David. Because I'm telling you, in the kingdom, you don't have to chase crowns. You don't have to chase a name. You don't have to chase provision. You don't even have to chase purpose. Purpose will find you. If you are doing what you are supposed to be doing, faithful, where you are faith, where you are supposed to be, the purpose of God will find you. It'll chase you down. So I need provision, but I don't have to run after it. Provision will find me if I will make sure I'm where he wants me to be. Last thought, you need relational discernment. Verses 16 through 18, they didn't meet just Lydia. They met another woman. The Bible says she was a slave and she had a gift. She could, she could tell the future. And she was walking around town and she was telling people that Paul and the men that were with him, she was saying, these are men of God and they are telling you the way to God. And it sounds great, but Paul would get frustrated with her and he would turn around and rebuke her. And he would speak, the Bible says, to the spirit that was in her, this demonic spirit, and he would cast that spirit out. And he would look at her and say, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to leave her body. And that spirit left her body. It's wild, isn't it? I'm like, Paul, why would you get frustrated? All she's doing is running around town telling everybody you're a man of God. Like even on that video earlier, 
Pastor James was like, you're going to hear from Pastor Robbie. He's a man of God. Something inside of me was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tell him the truth. You know, there's this is part of you that wants to be acknowledged. But I love it that Paul had such a relationship with God that he wasn't moved by the applause of people. And he could recognize that, yes, she's saying all the right things, but she has the wrong spirit. And here's why you need relational relational discernment, because some of y'all are in relationships with people you need to cast the devil out of. You shouldn't be dating them. You should be rebuking them. And I'm just going to leave that there. Let that sit with you a minute. Five things every gifted person needs. I don't want you to be so gifted that you have no fruit. I don't want you to be so gifted that you think you are better than the will of God. I don't want you to be so gifted that you marry yourself to the thing, the way you think things should be instead of the way things, instead of the way God is making things. And so Father in Jesus name, I thank you for your people and we need your help. We need your help. There's so many needs around us, so many people hurting around us. But every need isn't our responsibility. Every opportunity is not our obligation. And so we need to deepen our relationship with you so that we have a relationship with you that's so close that we can recognize when the Spirit of God says no. And no matter how much we don't want to hear that, no matter how much we don't want to believe that God would tell us no, help us because there are so many wonderful things that you are calling us to that have your yes all over them. And your yes involves the provision that we need, the relationships that we need. And we thank you, God, that we're not out here trying to figure this out on our own, that you have already gone before us and you have prepared our Macedonia. You have prepared a Lydia for us. You have prepared a place for us. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give it up for Omar as he comes to transition.